seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 9-0 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of things that affect our gaming, even away from our screens and our tables. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and as always, for 90 episodes, still got my main dude here, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? And this week, I looked somebody up. So it's the Neil Smith episode. Yeah, oh, see, you uh, you went. I thought you were going to go with the one I thought was a slam dunk. I, I thought you were going to go with Reggie White. That's also a good one. Yeah, because I was like, man, Reggie, the Minister of Defense, which is an Had awesome. Had that great gravelly voice, you know. Yep. That's an awesome nickname to have, though, right? If right. If you have a moniker for sort of the Minister of Defense, which he was an actual pastor. <laughs> like he was yeah which makes it even better yeah so he was an actual preacher who got out on sundays mind you and then just smash people to holy hell because like, who's gonna argue with anybody that size regardless of who, what exactly. your, <laughs> your your religion whatever oh no doubt reggie white go to church what he feels like yep you just all right yes sir mr white like you do what you're gonna do Oh, here's, man, that, here's ten dollars for the collection plate. Man, that dude was a beast for real. I, I, you know, and I'm a Cowboys fan, but dude, that guy on the Eagles got to respect just, people. They just, yep. I mean, had to change the way you play. Dude, dude's talent was there. There's no doubt. Like he, he put up all kinds of numbers, and I think he's something insane. He got made like ten, maybe all pros in like thirteen years or something. Yeah, like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, like just insane. Insane. Dude's numbers are wild. But yeah, if y'all don't know anything about Reggie White, go look him up. Go watch some YouTube videos. Like that dude, man, he he put the hurt on some people for years. Awesome defensive end. Like amazing dude. Also just a damn good person from everything I've ever heard about him. But yeah, before we get into business, just want to remind everybody, if you haven't, hop over to patreon.com slash color or magic and help us out. Support the show. Help us keep the lights on pay for our cats and our kids and, you know, help us get some small upgrades here or there, pay for our services and whatnot. Like every little bit helps really appreciative. Uh, and if you were a patron, you got another episode exclusive just for our patrons this week. So yeah, we, we do that from time to time. So you get some exclusive content just by being a, one of our patrons over there. And, and, and help us at least pay for the lights, which in Texas may not necessarily guarantee that they stay on, but at shoot. least help us pay for <laughs> your your lights might be four times the cost of my lights the way they're charging y'all. <laughs> for real. Oh man. Uh, also, we do have a show sponsor, cardsphere.com. Want to make sure people know about that and check them out. They are a really cool site that's dealing with buying and selling a bit different than everybody else does. Like you basically put your cards in. And then you can see what people are paying for different cards. And you can pick and choose who you even sell to. And you just put the price in you want to buy something for. And then if somebody agrees to that price, they just click a button, it goes to escrow, and then you get cards in the mail. Matter of fact, I was just uh, looking to fix up my uh, commander deck, which is Rith, by the way. Uh, Rith the Awakener. And I got me mm-hmm. an etch foil Kadama the East Tree because I just had it on my list. Because I didn't really want to go pick one up. But I was like, nah, if I can get one for like $2, I'll take one. And sure enough, I had a little notice that, hey, you got a message. And then uh, three days later, I had this card in the mail. So kind of awesome how that works out. 
But yeah, y'all should check them out if you haven't. They are cardsphere.com. And then finally, if you want to support the show, we do have our own little uh, merchandise, if you want to call it. We got some merch, if you want to check it out, over at colorofmtg.com slash shop. Nice little site, nothing real fancy, but you can go over there and you can get some tokens that have our likenesses on them, or you can get some playmats, actually, that have the show logo, or even my personal Power Dragon logo. You can go get that stuff over there. And we do have discounts if you buy multiple things to get some free shipping. And we do ship around the world. So lots of options there for everybody. So we just want to make everything accessible. We're not we're not trying to, like, I don't know, fleece people and make bank or whatever that way. This is just like a cool way to make a little bit of side money and give you all something uh, for your efforts. But today, we have something. We're, we're going to be all over the place this week. I'm just giving people a heads up on this episode. We're going to be a little bit light, a little bit heavy. Little bit, we're gonna be a roller coaster this week, I think, is what's what's gonna go down. So just kind of be prepared. So uh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be like the sour patch kids, I think, in reverse <laughs> okay. on this one. I think think I'm gonna come in sweet and we're gonna let you come in sour. I think is how this All is right. gonna work. But mine, I just gotta say, like, this heat ain't no joke, man. Like and and I'm from Tech. Like I remember, like was it eight nine years ago? We had that that summer down there that was something like in in ninety days, something like eighty four of them were over a hundred degrees or something. Yeah. Whatever that insane summer to the point where it when it was like ninety four one day, like it actually felt good. <laughs> That's bad. When, like, ooh, when it's balmy ninety four. Yeah, but when every day is like one oh five, one ten, one oh eight, you're just like, oh my god! Like at night, I remember taking out trash and sweating, and I was outside yeah. for like fifteen minutes, and it was it was like ninety degrees at night, eighty eight degrees. And I was just like, oh my god, this is insane. Well, we had some of that in the Pacific Northwest this week. Now, and, and I will say this: what's crazy is that normally up here. It'll be, even if it's hot during the day, it's not the same type of Texas hot. Like you can get in the shade here and the shade will be like 15 degrees cooler. So like if it's 88, like the shade will be like, you know, it'll at least be like 65, 67, right? It's just significantly cooler. Whereas in Texas, if you get in the shade, you just get hot air in, in the shade. Yeah. You know, like it's just a different world. That might but, step on the copper head. Yeah, for real. But like, dude, here it was it was bad. Like, because even at night and in the morning, you at least get a reprieve where the temperature might even get into the 50s sometimes, even if the days are warm. But there was none of that. Like, we had like three, four days up here where it was just like 95, 98. You know, it's like, ooh, you know, and hell, Oregon, all kinds of places were like 105. People were showing me pictures from their phones and their temperature. Like, it was not like people were dying up here, man. Like, yeah. and and here's and here's where the rant comes from for the soapbox, like nobody i say nobody like they hadn't been building houses up until like the last year or two up here nobody has ac nobody has ceiling fans like even when we looked at houses we might have saw like three or four maybe maybe three that had acs and then another like two or three that actually had ceiling fans none of the other mind-boggling to me (laughs) yeah because i'm like at the very i mean in here you at least open your windows, you get a nice cool breeze, at least put ceiling fans in. But that's not even a thing. And ceiling fans are cheap. Like, there is zero reason if you're building a new construction house or apartment complex or condos or whatever, that you can't pitch for another 
hell, it didn't even have to be a fancy ceiling fan. You could spend $200 and put a ceiling fan in a room. Hell, you can go to Lowe's and find some for $79 to $99, and then they'll charge you like $89 to install it. And that's just if you don't have your own people to put it in. So maybe you're only spending $100 per room. And you can just bake that into the price. If people are already paying hell up here, you know, four, five, six hundred thousand for some of these new construction houses, they'll pay another four or five hundred dollars to have ceiling fans in every room. Like, I don't understand how that's not a thing up here. Now, I have seen stats that said the last two to three years, they've gone up like, you know, the number of houses that have installed AC have gone up like 15, 20%. So, like, there's a lot of people starting to add it. But then your problem now becomes, you can't even get your stuff installed because people are backed up for six, seven, eight months. So you can put in an order in July. You may not get that crap till December when you don't even need it. So yeah, it's, it was bad dude. And like enough that like even up in my room where I have like a portable AC and whatever, cause we were at least prepared. Cause like I've dealt with the heat before and I'm like, Nope, I know what's coming. All right. So we got portable ACs in the rooms or whatever. So like we were at least reasonably comfortable. But man, having to figure out ways to like do your content and like when to have it on and off and not have it be in the background and all this stuff. And it's like, oh man. And then I was like, okay, I found some solutions to help people with noise reductions because a lot of people knew about the NVIDIA thing that they have on their broadcaster. But I was like, oh, if you're editing and you use DaVinci Resolve, I found a thing in, the, in their software that actually has noise reduction. And it'll take some of the, uh, actually the majority of that noise out of the background. So I was like, sweet. I'm going to do a little video for like YouTube shorts and for TikTok or whatever. So other people that are making content with DaVinci Resolve, because it's like the most popular thing, they'll be able to like take care of themselves right now. So I'm like, this seems cool, right? I had people complaining like, I don't know why you're putting this on here. This is not like gaming content and blah, blah. This isn't, man. I'm like, what, man? I'm trying to help people not die to the heat and still be able to make content for you and your like sorry ass. Like, what the hell's wrong with you like seriously like and i even said like hey in the video like hey if you are making content like hey here's a thing with it getting hot you're running your acs here's a way you can take that noise out like i don't think that was unreal to do i thought i was doing a nice service and hell it was only a one minute video like i was like stop doing nice things stay exactly. on the magic content creation after wheel i'm like man some people got no chill man like out here trying, like, I took time out of my day to record a thing and go through the steps and make the video look clean or whatever to explain it, and then still got hell. I'm like, man, and y'all wonder why people don't want to do nice things sometimes. Right. Like, I and I'll be honest, I needed that time for other things this week, but I'm like, nope, this is important enough that, like, I think it's worth sharing. And people still gave me hell for it. I'm like, man, F you, F you, you blocked, <laughs> you were blocked, like... <laughs> You're cool, and, F you. Yep, yeah, that's you. F you, F you, F you. You cool, F you. Who's next? <laughs> uh, man, that's one of my favorite scenes from that movie. <laughs> right. How come every time we get talking about boxing, a white guy got to pull Rocky Marciano out the ass? <laughs> you talking about Cassius Clay. I, I, his mama call him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. Like, all right. I'm gonna stop. Let me get off this because yours, yours is is much more serious. So I'll 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 step down and, and let you have the box. Yeah, the, the, the sour. Yeah. As a black kid that grew up in the '90s, I never envisioned the day I would have to to just be done with both 
Cliff and Claire Huxtable. But that's where we at right now. Yeah. But by the time you've heard this, Bill Cosby will I guess will be out, will have been out for a couple of days. Not because anybody thinks he's innocent, but because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court says some legal things weren't done properly. So he's out on a technicality. Felicia Rashad acted like the man is innocent. Shouting from from her social media rooftops that justice has been done when no, the complete opposite of justice has been done. This is like an OJ situation where while he might technically legally meet the definition of not guilty, nobody who paid any attention thinks he's innocent. It, it's a tough one for me, man. Like, because... I'm with you. Like you, we grew up watching. Like now, I'll say this: not even watching. I honestly believe a lot of black families like idolize right the Huxtables on the Cosby Show because that was one of the first depictions of a black family we had. Where you know it was the polar opposite of Good Times, where it's like, oh my god, you know it was a great show, but it was depressing. <laughs> the well, yeah. could never well, that's the thing, because like nobody got anything nice in that show, right? When you're when you're talking about Good Times. Like every person was struggling. Every episode was like this person's dealing with abuse or with drugs or street stuff or whatever. And then and then you had other stuff. You had like Sanford and Son, or even then that was still like you know the dude owns a junkyard and blah blah. Yeah. Like you had and they this show killed the daddy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. the, the bastion, you know, the, the most reliable person. In the, and it's just yeah. So the, the Cosby Show was the and again. By the way, I love Good Times. Me too. But the Cosby Show was designed to be, you know, kind of the anti-tower. Okay, yeah, the, the 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 father is a doctor and the mother is a lawyer, and it was really just a vision of black excellence and black upper mobility. And now I don't even see how they can air it on TV ever again because again, Cosby's got all the charges. Felicia, yeah. I, I have. I don't understand how this isn't affecting her career because I still see her doing a bunch of TV shows. She was in Jingle Jangle, which is a Christmas movie, which, by the way, is a great movie, but her inclusion is getting more problematic every day. So I don't, I don't know how she's not catching catching hell defending Bill Cosby, but somehow her, her career continues to flourish. I don't get it, but yeah. it continues to happen. I don't know, man. It's hard, right? Because you almost have a hard time equating those two personalities, right? Because you saw the show and not only that, like they dealt with real family issues. You know, they lived in a nice house, you know, it's just like they went to nice schools and you're like, man, that's, that'd be cool. Like I want that life as a family. Right. And then you find out on social media at this point, Cliff and Claire Huxtable would be embarrassed by Felicia Rashad. Yeah. I was just, I was, dude, I was literally just about to say that. Like, the Cliff and Claire would probably Claire be would there stand for, for this nonsense that Felicia Rashad and Bill Cosby are putting out here. God, it's it's rough. like the dude who was trying to sell you pudding pops. Yeah, like he did clean and funny comedy on stage, like, and had the nerve to talk about comedians that didn't. Yeah, for real, like that the classic is, bit of Eddie Murphy raw. I would ooh. like to talk to you. Yep. That has aged in a whole different way. Because I think it was somebody talked to one of Richard Pryor's numerous widows, and she said basically the the difference was Richard Pryor played, you know, kind of a a pimp and, you know, like basically like a pimpish character on stage, but in reality was a soft hearted person. Oh, yeah. Everybody's done that. Played America's dad, but in reality it was, you know, 
a rapist. <laughs> and to be fair, like you can do the duality thing fine, right? We've seen Danny Tanner. <laughs> yeah. And then you see him do so stand-up. So many people have gone to see him do stand-up thinking they were going to see Danny Tanner. And yep. then just... You're going to watch the dude from America's Funny Home Videos talk right. to you about some dirty, sexy stuff. And you're like, what is this? And it's back in the 70s. So many people went to Vegas to see Red Fox thinking he was Fred Sanford and got a yep. whole rude mm-hmm. like. So, yeah, so that's possible. But, yeah, like this whole thing. And like, and here's the effed up part. Like, you're just like you said, it's a technicality. I believe the way it was written, because I tried to read through it. It sounded like they couldn't, I guess they're like, there was not enough evidence the way it was presented or something. Well, they, they had evidence, but when he did the first deposition, he did that. And there was some kind of agreement that if he just fessed up, he wouldn't be prosecuted as part of that settlement. Oh, see, I missed that part of it. Then the political climate changed, you know, because of the Me Too movement. And they said, no, wait, actually, you know what, let's go ahead and prosecute this. Also, the judge that did the, the ruling that said he could be prosecuted said that, you know, since Cosby has made himself a public moralist, we're going to unleash deposition. And yeah, I tell you, for anybody that was on the fence, if you go read Bill Cosby's deposition, you will immediately fall off of that fence. Yeah. I was crying, you know, somebody that has idolized this man since I was nine or 10 years old and knew I wanted to be a comedian, as I think pretty much any comedian that grew up during the past you know, 30 or 40 years did. But so I was trying to, just, how how can this be? And I read the deposition and came away like, with no other conclusion, but yeah, he did. He's admitted to it in court. During the yeah. deposition, he, uh, to summarize, he admits to drugging women. And at that point, how can you call it consensual? You basically can't. That was the part that messed me up. I'm like, well, if he's just saying it, then then we're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's my mindset. I'm like, and I and believe me, I would try to defend him and you know, whatever, but like if you're just saying that's it, then that's it. I mean, like, there's yeah, you know, it's... if if you or me came out and said, like, no, I did this thing, and I'd be like, ah, sucks for my boy, but if he said he did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you you can't <laughs> you cannot both claim, oh, we had consensual relations and I drugged her up on quaaludes. No, those two things don't go together. Dude, I'm gonna be real. Like this is all personal, but even when me and my wife got together, and we'd been together for hell, well over a year at this point, year and a half, and we'd already started living together and everything else, like there were still times if she was even tipsy. Not even drunk. I'd just be like, nah, I'm good. Why don't we just let that chill? Why don't we just go to bed? You know what yeah, I mean? Because like, you are a decent human being. Like, and I, and even then, like, I knew it was okay. I knew she was really into me. I knew she, and even then, I was still like, uh, let, well, maybe if, what if you're just really not tonight, but you're a little, it's the alcohol, maybe like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like now, obviously, we've been together for forever now. And so it's fine. It's not a big deal. But like, then I even then I was being careful, so I couldn't imagine. I mean, I guess I could imagine. I know why people do it, but like I could, yeah. as a person, I couldn't do it. Just like purposely drug somebody and take advantage. Like I don't even know what the ah, man. Even the headspace makes me feel gross, right? Because like, as it should with anybody that is processing normal human intimacy. But yeah. Bill Cosby is sitting here in court, just explaining that in his mind, this is cool. Yeah, I don't. And I don't he talks know. about you know there, there's he mentioned some kind of 
gray area between consent. Like, no, there's no gray area. Nope, not a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> not a thing. It's like he's talking from just, you know. That's it. If you read the deposition, it's I think almost impossible to come away with any conclusion other than yeah, he he raped Andrea Constand and countless other women and has basically admitted to it. So it yeah. continues to befuddle me that Felicia Rashad continues to defend him and as of yet has suffered no real career consequence for defending him. Well, I'll just wrap I it up it. by saying that. The real thing that came out of this is we just got to be sad about a situation twice. Yeah. All right, Brian. Let's talk about something else because we're always trying to educate ourselves and our listeners. So what did you learn this week? Yeah, this is some positive news. Apparently, the NCAA has voted to allow athletes to to profit off of their own likeness. So that's yeah, something that you know people that. have been arguing for for, I mean, decades, really. Yeah. Because we know how much the NCAA institutions have made off of athletes for <laughs> the entire time the college sports has been being played in this country. So this is a huge thing. You know, it's not going to apply to everything. There will still be some things that are restricted. And it's also, since uh, EA has said that they're going to start doing NCAA football again, that's going to be a very interesting thing. Yep. Like I guess, does the cover athlete get paid? Will athletes in the game get paid? How is all that going to work? I would venture to guess that if they make characters in the game that are obvious to, you know, same size, weight, whatever, yeah, or name and number, they'll probably have a pool of money that will probably just be divvied up among all the athletes in the game, I bet. That's probably what will happen. Kind of like how the NFLPA has a thing that, like, if you're just part of yeah. this thing, you just get whatever the, you know, $100 or $200 check or whatever it is just comes in, you know, split among everybody. It'd probably and be what's, similar. Kind of what's leaked so far is that it's apparently a four-year deal with the NCAA. What they're saying now is that, you know, schools will get a royalty rate depending on, I guess, how popular or how successful they are. And during the four-year contract, if all of a sudden you start going 13 and I forget how many games they play and it's, you start winning a bunch of games and, you know, you go to a bunch of bowls, you may be able to renegotiate your royalty payment during this four year span. So, okay. That's fair. Definitely going to be interesting. I, I always loved NCAA. I think I still have a copy of NCAA football, whatever the last one they did was around here somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember the last one I played. Because it just it, the the football was fun, but it was even more fun. Was I had a group of about four or five guys that I played with, and just we did all recruiting against your friends was what made it so much fun. Really, trying to get those five star prospects. You know, your school yeah. sucks. You sign with me. So I'm looking forward to doing that again. I can't blame you. That should be fun. Uh, and I think that's the first one supposed to be out in July 2023, according to this this leak. Anyway. Oh, so it's a ways off then. Yeah. Okay, well, my learning was a little bit different last week. That uh, I did mention, you know, I, I found out a way that you can take noise out of your stuff out of the most popular program people use to edit things. So that was pretty nice to be able to help people. But uh, in doing so... I've been making these uh, one-minute videos, like the YouTube shorts, and we talked about that a little bit. And I've recently started kind of repurposing a lot of my shorts as TikToks, because I don't even know what you call a TikTok. I think it's just a TikTok, <laughs> right? 
It's just I videos on TikTok so. or TikToks. I don't know. I guess if you're on TikTok, you're a TikToker now. I guess that's what I am. But I just figured that that's another way to just like extend my reach. Occasionally, I'll just put a little caption of just like, hey, you can follow me over on these things or whatever. And then I started thinking why people enjoy TikTok or why people try to make it on TikTok than some of the other social media platforms, because it's also harder to monetize. Like when you have something like Instagram or TikTok, you can't, you don't just make money, right? You have to get really big and get a lot of followers and then brands reach out to you and you make brand deals. And, you know, if you do a one minute video, we'll give you a thousand dollars or whatever it is, right? But you have to have that reach first. But what I realized is one, a lot of people don't even know that. There's like, well, I'm gonna get big on TikTok and make a bunch of money. I'm like, do you know how this works? Uh, apparently they don't the other part is that and this is going to sound really harsh and i'm not saying that everybody on tiktok fixes just please take this as i'm saying it but a lot of people on tiktok don't have to have any skill like there's literally people that are just making a junky video of just like song came on and then i did the chris farley dance and then you know it's ten thousand views and i'm like wow Okay. So I mean, that's technically a talent. You know. Yeah, like I mean, literally, but I'm like, this isn't even like trying. Like somebody, hell, I posted one that I thought was lazy, but I'm like, I bet you I could be lazy and still get people to view this thing. Now, admittedly, at the time of me doing this, I had like, I don't know, like 58-ish followers. Cause I've only been doing this for I think I have like six videos over like two weeks or something. That video got 280 views and like moved my follower account up to like 115. And I literally just took a card that they previewed, gave like a fake, I don't know, like 20 second rant about the card, and then just followed up with like, nah, I'm just joking. I really like this card. I'm probably going to play it a lot. And then that was it. That was my TikTok. That put that took me like maybe five minutes to put together. And that and and honestly, three of those minutes were figuring out how to use the damn green screen feature in TikTok. <laughs> like, and I'm like, this is why people want to be on TikTok. Like, you don't have to do anything. Like, people just scroll through and just keep clicking the button and watch an insane amount of videos. And there's there's nothing. Like now, some people are actually putting up skits, and you know, there's couples that are pranking each other, and you know, like there's people doing real stuff. And that's what I'm saying. It's not everybody, everybody, but there is a very large chunk that i've seen pop up that i'm like you're not doing anything like there's one person on there that just like opens a booster pack that's it <laughs> i was like i'm waiting for something to happen some funny commentary <laughs> some excitement over the thing they open nope it's just opening and i think they even title it it's like you know booster box of whatever pack number 15 or whatever and then they just open the pack and that's it and i'm like I, this. I get it. I get it now. They have created a platform where people will casually watch pretty much anything related to the thing they like. And you can get a lot of viewers and followers without doing a whole lot. I get it. I mean, I'm, and again, talk, we talked a bit about presentation on, on the exclusive show, but again, I'm still like even doing the little junky one, I'm like, ah, but yeah, I still got to look a certain way. Ah, I don't want to show this. Maybe I shouldn't wear this hoodie. Let me put this other hoodie on. Like, and I know it doesn't matter because I'm on TikTok, but like, <laughs> I'm still like, ah, let me do this a certain way or whatever. Like, 
trying to be presentable and I've had more fun doing them like on my PC than loading them to my uh, Google Drive and then using my phone to just put it on TikTok. Like that just works better for me. It's a cleaner presentation. Like I can still do them the whole process in about like 25, 30 minutes if I have my head straight going into it for what I want to do. But I mean, also knowing that I can get a couple hundred views right now with no real follower count. Like it's, it's a weird weird thing man so i'm still i'm probably gonna be giving some tiktok updates as i learn things that can help people if they want to put content on there but yeah there you go so tiktok i get it it took me a while but i understand now <laughs> it's a, you i mean sometimes you got to get in the trenches though to understand you got to walk in somebody else's shoes you know to really get a feel for what it is people are after and two more cliches, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Put like, your nose in the groundstone. <laughs> yep, I'm just full of it today, man, full of it. So the exciting time of the year, actually not even necessarily, but this particular time is because people were waiting to see what the Forgotten Realm set for, I guess we'll call it, I guess we have to refer to this as the Magic the Gathering D&D set. I keep wanting to say D&D set, but I don't want people who listen to this to be confused, even though right. we do have a fair amount of Magic listeners. But there is a D&D set based around the Forgotten Realms coming out for Magic the Gathering in about two weeks. And they started previews this week. Have you checked out any of them yet? Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to say, I think I have a new favorite name in Magic. And oh, it's, really? Uh, Eliwick Tobelstrom. It's just, <laughs> it's just fun to say, really. Now I'm gonna play Ellie Wick Tubblestrom. Like, have you played any D and I have watched people, but I have not personally played D and D myself. Okay, so then, and and that's actually really good because now I want to ask, like, how so far does this come off to you not having that like immediate awareness of what everything represents? I mean, it looks interesting. I'm trying to figure out, you know, the, the dungeons are kind of, I'm trying to wrap my head around those. <laughs> really, it's just. Yeah, like, and I sort of wondered if they were going to do something like that. Now, the way they implemented it was a bit different than I thought they would, but I but I don't think what they did is bad. You know, I think, I think it's actually pretty creative and interesting. But effectively what it is, is you have a dungeon card. Actually, there are three of them, and you can bring any three of them to the table. Actually, oddly... The way Matt Tabix made it sound in the video it was like, you don't even have to have them. But I'm like, who's going to remember that? Because one of these has like 12 rooms or something in it. Like, yeah. like, there's no way you have to have these at the table. But anyway, they just kind of live in the command zone. They don't take up space in your sideboard or anything like that. They're just there. And at any point, you can, if you have a thing that says venture, you can venture into the dungeon. And then when you go into the dungeon, you basically pick the one you want to go into. And then you start at the first room and you just get whatever that room says. And then you can advance if you have something else that says venture. So then you get to go to the next room. And then if there's two different paths, you pick which path you want to be on. And you can't ever go backwards. So once you're in and you're choosing a direction, you can only go that direction. And that's important because each room has a different thing. Like some of them are like you scry. Some of them are you gain life. Uh, some are like discard and draw a card um and then there's some one that has like a drawback that i think you like discard you sacrifice an artifact a creature and a land but it's only one room to get to the end and then you get the big payoff 
So if you want to take the downside, you can yeah. basically, and it's almost like a D&D &D adventure, right? Like, well, if we can take the shortcut, but the shortcut's more dangerous. And that's kind of what they're mimicking, which I think is pretty cool. So it's kind of a neat way to bring the flavor of D&D &D and the adventuring to the table, which I thought was was pretty awesome. The other they're doing some cool stuff though, I will say. We've got like several of the named characters, which, you know, if you play D&D &D, is going to be a big deal. If you don't, it's just like, well, oh, this is a sweet legend. <laughs> don't really have to I I am disappointed that it looks like parties. We had all assumed, okay, this is where parties, there's going to be a huge payoff for it. No, they've already said parties. Like, there will be, as you, we've already seen creatures that have, you know, wizard, rogue, what have you. So there are creatures that will fit into party, but they're not specifically pushing party in this set. So that's yeah, a that, little disappointing. That's a good call out because I was also on the fence of just like, well, okay, let's see what they bring in the D&D &D set and how much party gets bolstered. But now there's no party payoffs, we're being told. So it's like, oh, well, that's interesting. So now what? Yeah, it's just... Uh, <laughs> and so far... I guess that that's seen, it for that mechanic. <laughs> well, so far from what we've seen, too, there hasn't been, like, an exceptional amount of, like, rogues, wizards, clerics. Like, they're still there. But, I mean, yeah. they feel like they're still kind of, like, the normal amount that you would have in a set. And that's kind of one of the things I'd brought up on my stream a couple times in recent weeks is, you know, to do a set as flavorful as D&D, &D, you want to include as many things as possible that people associate with D&D &D or are going to have good memories to or like the big monsters they had to fight. And like I, my thought was like that's already limiting creative space. Right. I like I'll be curious to even see because normally when you make a set, you try to tie enough cards into previous sets or previous mechanics or whatever. So. You still keep building on stuff. But like, I don't even know if you can do that with this set. Because you're trying to do all these things with adventure and kind of do the storybook stuff. And, you know, and I think it's cool. They even named cards in a way of like your DM is speaking to you. Yeah. So it's like you've been ambushed on the road and yeah. then you get to choose you one. Find the things. villain's lair. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. I think it's like a neat way to introduce stuff to magic that you wouldn't get otherwise. And it's still going to appeal. Like, if you are coming to the set because you are a D&D &D fan, you feel, I feel like you're going to get a real payoff. The only thing I would say, if, if there's any downside for me, is that, other than the party mechanic not being there, is that they didn't actually include more D&D &D original art. I thought that would have been cool, because I do think there are a very large amount of Magic players that have not seen or experienced this art. Especially when you're talking about like Larry Elmore and you know some of these famous older artists that have done a lot of the classic old stuff you see. It would be cool to just see maybe like the legendary cards or something have had some of that art, I think would have been super sweet. And we are getting throwback, like, which is really like it's cool, but also weird looking that you have the like D and D cover art that calls back to certain things and then has like the title of the magic cards with the stats on it so it's really weird it looks like an old DD book cover but it's definitely a magic card so like it's neat if you can process it mentally <laughs> i guess that's the best thing i'm trying to say there but i do and like how did yeah go ahead 
how did we get this far into magic and we're just now, you know, getting the Dungeons and Dragons themed thing? <laughs> it's just Honestly, the part that blows my mind. I can tell you, I can tell you. Years ago, Wizards of the Coast bought TSR and they've owned D&D for a while. Oh, by the way, we need to talk. Let me let me sidetrack for a second before I get to that explanation. Have you seen the stuff that's out there from the TSR account this past week? No, what did they do? Okay, so for people who don't know, TSR was the original uh, company that owned D&D for, I don't know, years ago, before Wizards bought them around like 2000, I think. And the owner-creator of D&D... Gary Gygax and and the other gentleman as well. They're they're, from my understanding, they've passed on or whatever, and they're they're not involved, in, you know, in any way, shape, or form. But one of Gygax's children, I believe Ernie, I think is the one. Feel free to send me a message on on Twitter and correct me if I'm wrong. But he's effectively been going ham on social media, being an old like neck bearded grognard, like just. Talking about like, uh, like, and honestly, oh, let me see if I can, if there was a thread from today, actually, let me see if I can find it. But he kind of just went off talking about, well, I kind of get where people are coming from. Cause when I was younger, you know, we were outcasts and I had the thought of, man, if I just had a gun, I would, you know, take some people out or whatever. And then oh, like two posts later be like, but yeah, you know, everybody's welcome at my game table and you know, we're never trying to you know, exclude anybody or hurt anyone. And I'm like, dude, you just said you you had thoughts about shooting people up. <laughs> like, like, yo, dog. Oh, like, boy. like, come on, man. You can't that what? <laughs> like, but it's just been that way. Like all week he's been posting stuff and like immediately everybody's response is like, what's up with this? Like everybody was kind of excited, going like, oh, TSR is coming back. We're gonna get some old like strategy games and this, that, and the other. And then it was just like, nah, we don't have nothing to do with this. Like, and not only that, he was talking about how, like, wow, when we tried to work with Wizards of the Coast and, you know, we had to, they wanted, like, this included and we have to do stuff this way. And people just gripe about, oh, people, I basically made it sound like people were weak for not liking the old adventures that were just, like, super lethal and not fun. I mean, anybody who played them, those were not literally, if you just didn't check for traps every five feet and you forgot, then it's like, oh, do this thing and then roll like five saves against like death, poison, ice, whatever. It's like, come on, man. Nobody wants to play that crap. But he was mad that people didn't like those or whatever and was just going in on people. Like, yeah, if you if you want some drama, just go to the TSR account on, on Twitter. It's It's been a mess. God. It's been a for real mess. Um. No, that wasn't the thread. I thought I found it for a second. Okay. Anyway, I, I found. <laughs> I just had to search TSR. Oh, and you, you can go read. Like yeah. it's. I mean, pardon my language, y'all. Kids already earmuffs. But like, if you want the definition of a shit show, right? I mean, for real. There's no other way to describe it. I know. I know. We try to keep it clean, but like. It, it's like he just he decided he'd wake up, and I'd like to just totally ruin this company's legacy. It's it's the hot the type of hot mess we could have got out here in the Pacific Northwest. The dog would have took a crap in the middle of the street on Monday. <laughs> like it's that kind of hot mess. Like it's it's crazy. It's like like the dude has no PR team, no filter, no nothing because I nobody would approve these posts. Mm. Like he's posting stuff that in most jobs would probably get you fired. Like you'd be done. 
But anyway, we talked about how, you know, there's just things, privilege. Yep. Ain't no way I'd posted. I wouldn't have posted, hell, even 20% of the stuff he's put up in the last week. But no, okay. So you asked, how did we just get now to a DD set? Part of it was long ago, there was this belief. And to some point, I do think that it was at least initially somewhat true that people didn't want magic to end up getting a big DD influence. And D&D players didn't want their game to have a big magic influence. And there was kind of like a line drawn in the sand. But I think over time that the the wind blew that line in the sand a little bit and nobody remember where it was and nobody cared. But I think the old ownership of wizard leadership still held on to that belief. So those departments were just largely separated. And you you for as a Ghostbusters term, you didn't cross the streams because they were afraid bad things would happen. But for years, people have been saying like, well, no, it kind of makes sense. Why aren't we doing that? Right. And as those games have both gotten older, you have more people who have played both games. So they're not in any way offended. They have a foot you know, kind of in on both sides. But nobody really wanted to address that. And then uh, I guess this was back when Innistrad, or no, not Innistrad, when Ixalan came out. They did an adventure called X Marks the Spot, which was a small paperback maybe like a i don't know i want to say it wasn't real big and maybe it was like a 30 page adventure or something it was fairly small just a little like one shot adventure you can run through in the world of ixalan you know with dnd stats and stuff and then they did some downloadable things that people really liked and then they had the ravnica book for dnd so if you want to be in ravnica and you know be an is it spellcaster and all that like you could do that which is cool and people responded well to it and i think that's where they finally said okay We've tested it. It's proven. Things sell. People want it. It's time to do the magic set. And I would not be surprised if this is as popular as it is. If probably not next year, because I think that's lined up to be Lord of the Rings from what it sounds like. If the if my understanding of the timeline works out. But maybe in 2023 and onward, I would not be surprised if the summer set were to become a D&D release every year at least for the next four or five years to use up all the good content. But there's a bunch of different D&D worlds you could do in different settings that you can include a lot of stuff from those and really kind of keep that part of the community interested. Because there's a lot of people talking about this right now. And the cool part is they do have, like the showcase frames are really neat. They're using, that's where they're actually using the throwback style art. And actually, let me check, because I don't even know if that's like new art like art from new artists. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I can't really tell from the pictures. But it definitely has the feel of the old art. Like if you were to open an old monster manual, that's what the artwork looked like with that style, with like the lack of color in the pages and all that. So I kind of appreciate that being there because it kind of ties the whole thing together over a, a couple of generations, which is pretty neat. But yeah, I don't know. I definitely think it's going to be something we're going to need to talk about next week because they are pushing out all the spoilers. I think we're only getting one week of previews because, man, it is. We're already loaded on previews. We've already seen like, yeah. I don't know, like 10 of the mythics or something like they're just rolling on it. So th it won't be long before we have a whole set out. But yeah, expect that if the whole set is out, we will probably try to cover that next week. Talk about our favorites, our least favorites. Uh, and actually, to be fun, because I'll get two perspectives, because you are a non-D&D &D player, and I am very much a D&D &D player, which, speaking of, 
there will be a project we get to talk about probably in about 10 days or so. Some bad news for some people. Magic Legends is shutting down. And bad news for like at least 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this, right? Some people are like trying to take shots at them. And they're kind of surprised that I'm not. I've had a lot of people shoving it to me and kind of surprised at my reaction. But like, I don't have a reason to celebrate them dying. It's not like they did anything wrong. You know, there's those still some people's jobs. Yeah. Like now, if somebody, that, if that's company, always tragic. Yeah. If the company had been doing something screwed up and then they failed, then yeah, let's celebrate them and, you know, whatever. Let's be glad they're gone. But to me, well, I will say this too. Like for a lot of video games, same thing happens, right? You come out and then if you, hell, remember, oh, hell, we had, what was that other game? Artifact? Hell, that didn't even make it a month before they were already like, mm, this may not work. Yeah. <laughs> Artifact was was practically dead in two weeks. So, and that had a whole bunch of backing. But I, I think that does just happen, right? Games come out, they just don't go the way people want. You shutter it and try to go on to the next project. And it's a this is a larger company. It's not like they're without other products and other games. So no, nah, they do the Star Trek game and a couple other games. Yeah, so it's possible the 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 creators, producers, the programmers, they're probably just going to end up on other projects, which you know hopefully is fine for them. But the mistake, and this is one of the things I I tried to call out early on, is people want to just over. I don't know. They, they, I don't think people totally understand what audiences want sometimes. And this is something I remember having, I think I mentioned it to, to Chris Cox. This would have been like three, four years ago when just a little while after he, he had first gotten to Wizards. And one of the things I said is like, we should be branding more magic things with the magic IP. And I meant everything from like video games, action figures, bed sheets rugs like you name it right there's no reason we can't like why do i not have a big round green mana symbol to put in my rec room right like that should be a thing magic's 27 28 years old why do we not have that right but the problem is we get these examples of people who want to take like especially in in video games we'll take the mistakes of of magic legends right they all they had to do to sell it to us was give us a diablo clone skinned in magic literally that is it and we were all hyped about it like in boss could have been nicobolas if you wanted to or somebody else i make tezzeret the big bad or whatever like wouldn't matter like just put something big there that we can fight hell you could have made up a villain for that and then that could be new magic cannon for the next set or something right could have done that you had all the cool places we could explore, which was awesome. So they got that part right. But then you had this magic system that was like basically trying to get us to play magic while we battled things. <laughs> it was like you got to make a deck and then you're spending mana and then like the cards come up at random. So then you're having to like waste spells so you can open up a slot. So hopefully the next thing you want is like the thing that kills a monster or, or I don't know. Like it was it was just why? Even if you had to include magic, you could have just made like, okay, maybe you get a sidebar of like a five to nine stack of spells, but you can only use them after doing so many actions or something. 
great. That would have been fine. You still would have had a magic element. We could just use it, and it still plays like a Diablo thing. And we can still have our regular spells, have our life gaining, do all that, like, go get potions. Like, we'd have been good. But for some reason, they wanted to build in this whole, like, weird use of cards from the canon. It's like, no, if you want to just play card magic, we will go play Arena or Magic Online, or we'll go back to playing paper. Like, I don't need to get onto a game to do more of the same thing. And we know this plan works because we'll look at how many, like, puzzle quest things they have just reskinned a million times. Like, you just go play puzzle quests, and then they just put some things in there that are thematic to whatever it is, whether that's Marvel or Magic or whatever. And they still have people that play those things by the millions. Right? You can just put somebody's favorite IP on a thing. That's all you got to do. You don't have to make it about card. Hell, the other one that came out, the one that was like uh, the tower defense game. That was another one that felt like, all right, I'm kind of just finding a way to use magic cards again. It was, this costs so many points. I'm generating mana throughout the turn. I'm spending that. And then the next card comes up. And I was like, eh. Like, it was fun for a little, like, you know, five-minute burst to, like, distract myself. But, like, I, 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 I'm playing more magic. I'm not really into it. Let me do something completely different. Now, like, I play Teamfight Tactics. If you could give me TFT with a bunch of magic legends in there instead of the League of Legends champions, oh, I'm in, I'm into it. Yeah. Right. But if you try to give me a TFT clone where I have to like generate mana to do things to make art, like, no, I'm out. I'm out. That's not what I want. Like, just give me the clone with the magic skin. Just put the IP right over the top. And I wonder of, if they yeah. wonder if they maybe need the approach that Disney is taking, where Disney tried to do this with a bunch of games with their own studio and then realized, you know what? We're just not good at making video games. So they've started going, and when they want to make a video game, they go and find out, okay, who is already the leader in this industry? And they just go give them the license. Like for Sea of Thieves, well, Sea of Thieves is obviously the best pirate game out there. So they just said, hey, Rare, would you like to have Jack Sparrow in your game? And Rare's like, of course we would like to have Jack Sparrow in our pirate game. Where do we sign? Yep. Where do we back up the Brinks truck? <laughs> right? So that may be what what uh, Wizards need to consider doing because, like, Magic Legends crashed uh, pretty badly. It's like the reviews for Dark Alliance are not encouraging. So maybe that's what but, they want to start doing. And here's the thing, too. I, I think on Dark Alliance, that's more of a, like, a studio not understanding what the fans want. Because not even just from a mechanical standpoint, I think it's that it feels like when because because we've seen a lot of good D&D video games. Like there's a matter of fact, Baldur's Gate was on sale, I think, on uh, Steam this week for like three dollars or something. So that's a sweet game if you want to go check that out. But and actually, I think it's even like the special edition or whatever. So that's totally worth checking out if you haven't ever played that. But I think the problem is when you take these licenses as well, like you have a very big demand to meet because you have all the expectation of the fans that come with that product. But then you also have the legacy of the things that came before you in that space using that license. So you don't get to open up and be too creative or whatever else. Like you, you have to get as creative as you can while still staying close to the expected vision. Cause if you get too far out of that space or your story gets too far outside that's that box, like it's going to get a little too weird. And then people are like, ah, I don't like this. Like, why is this character doing this thing? Like, why do the people in this town act this way or whatever? You know what I mean? Like it, it honestly, Wizards did that to themselves when we did the second run to Innistrad. 
right? We brought in all the Eldrazi and everything from Zendikar, and everybody kind of went like, nah, we sort of just wanted our werewolves, zombies, and vampires, dude. Like, what? what's all this, like, Cthulhu, whatever? Like, that's not what we're here for, right? We liked it on Zendikar. We don't want it in Innistrad. <laughs> right like and i the same thing happened i think wizards like oh you like this so maybe you'll like this plus this it's like no that's not <laughs> what people wanted like this had a flavor and a feel that everybody liked should have just gave us that you went too far you know and i and it's from what i'm reading and i haven't played it so if you've played it you can tell me but like i think that's the feel i've gotten from the dark alliance is that they just missed the mark for, I think, expectations from people. Because I haven't seen too many people complaining so much about the gameplay and stuff. They just felt kind of bored with it or didn't like the story for the most part. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Magic Legends, I, I think, honestly, when it was Diablo meets Magic, a lot of us were on board. But the minute it wasn't, you kind of lost everybody. So I feel for them. I mean, a short-lived project, but like trying to celebrate it, there's nothing to celebrate. I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. They weren't like out here insulting people or whatever. And honestly, the people that are mad about microtransactions or whatever, like that part doesn't bother me. That's just, if the game's good, people are going to buy stuff. So whatever. Yeah. Like you're only mad because the game didn't meet your goals. Otherwise you'd be spending like crazy and playing it. I mean, let's be real. Now, this next thing, Brian, maybe you can speak to more than me because I don't know your engagement with it. But I discovered I had heard the name, but I literally didn't know much about Static Shock until this past week. But apparently what? Static you Shock. You never even watched the cartoon or anything? No, I literally have had like zero. So I did a deep dive trying to learn about Static Shock. Oh, and my goodness. This seems like a sweet ass cartoon that I'd seen like none of. Yeah, I mean, the second they said he's coming back, like, I just hear the theme song in my head. Yeah, it was a very catchy theme song also, because cartoon TV shows don't even have those anymore for the most part. But yeah, I'm excited. Static is coming back. Milestone Comics are coming back, and it's perfect timing for it because they always, you know, deal with issues that, issues that affect the minority, stuff that you wouldn't see in other, <laughs> and obviously, other comic books. Yeah, and that's the weird thing, right? Because I do remember people talking about that. So, I, so like, I was aware of it, but I'd never really consumed any of it. And it's weird because recently, and I guess some stuff had just started coming out for it. So people were, like, up in arms of, like, I don't know why this is so political. And why is he talking about this? Or why is the writers dealing with whatever? And I was like, I'm not even that engaged with this. But didn't his whole power set come from, like, being part of, like, a gang war and... All this other stuff like that. This yeah, they've like always been very political, very you know, very talking about what's going on in, yeah. in the minority community. So, I, I think at one point they were so removed from you know the regular DC universe that they actually thought people like Superman and Batman were comic book characters because <laughs> that's how little interaction they had with the Justice League or anybody in, in that category. Actually, didn't his powers even come from like cops? getting out of control and like shooting into a thing or whatever and like something along those lines i think it's something like i heard it was called the big bang and i think it was something like the way they're doing it now i think it is a, a rally for police against police brutality is where they're gonna have the big bang occur this time okay well that makes sense you're trying to update the story to to re reinvigorate it for for a new audience that's relatable because like i think gang, the first time it may have involved gang violence that was one of the big issues they were talking about yeah because i was gonna say back in like the 90s gang war was still a thing now there are gangs but it's not like 
top level news anymore. So I, I could see why that makes sense. Because if you busted out a gang war now, it would just feel too stereotypical and disconnected. Whereas I think doing the police brutality stuff, I think it's still top of mind to where enough people can relate to it. Especially the younger and, generation that's likely to buy it or, or consume it. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Icon, who was kind of like their, you know, Superman has every power you can think of figure, somebody that, that has been here since slavery time. So he has seen everything unfold in real time because his, his species just happens to live that long. So, yeah, Icon knows what's up. <laughs> Damn, that'd be some hell. Right. To, like live through slavery to see like, oh, man, like that's I've always wondered that, like if you were. I mean, not to get off the topic too much, but like if you were one of those beings, like, I don't know, vampire-like or whatever, you could live three, four hundred years. Like, what would that be like to just see the development of stuff? Because I've seriously thought like, man, I like the computer I built in college in like 96, 97 is weaker than the phone that's in my pocket. Yeah. You know, 20 years later. Like, that's crazy. Like, So to even like process that is like, imagine seeing that over a lifetime, like, seeing TVs go from like these large ass like black and white things or whatever to being these super slim, like paper thin, you know, whatever's right. Like that's gotta be a, a just society as a whole. That's gotta be weird, but yeah, that's cool, man. I think maybe, maybe I got to consume some more static shock. It sounds actually pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm hoping this, uh, that we get a movie at some point since HBO max is, you know, really mining DC's properties for just stuff that hadn't been, I don't know how it didn't happen the first time, you know. Yeah. But, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't reach that level. I think now probably something like Black Panther had to happen. And enough people had to realize, hey, there is an audience for this kind of media. Exactly. You know, because I think that also opened it up to where you got that. Uh, what is it? The Cthulhu country thing or whatever they had. That that was the thing that had a whole like, I think it was an all black cast or at least the leads for that uh, Cthulhu series. I think it was on HBO. And, you know, like, I think now that you're getting more of these types of things and people are saying like, oh, well, we can put more black leads or we can use black heroes or whatever. I think now it probably has a shot. So it kind of makes sense that it's being reinvigorated right now. Because I think they were hoping, you know, Static would be like one of the first cartoons they put out there and they would eventually get to do the other milestone characters, whatever reason that just never happened. So maybe, maybe now we're ready for that. Yeah, and I would say the other cool part is that it's not a character you have to shoehorn in a lot of the social topics. It's like, no, this is already what the character was, and this is already the character's background. So either you're on board or you're not. It's not like you're rewriting a character's history to include it. And it's like, no, this this has always been the thing. Yeah. So I, I can appreciate that. That's actually pretty neat. I, I just don't know how I didn't consume it at all, how I missed it, but... Yeah, the, the people that think comic, why are comic books so political have never gotten it. <laughs> Superman was created by you know two Jewish kids, and it really is their take on so many things that they saw happening in society during the 1930s and 40s. Oh yeah, everything's political though. Everything talks about social issues or political issues or even just personal things. Because hell, you had like Captain America fighting Nazis. Right. Iron, Iron Man dealing with alcoholism and but like these are all things that like these this is just what comics are. Hell, Captain America's had multiple storylines, you know, where he puts the shield down because he doesn't think America's going the right way. I mean, dude, 
the entirety of the X-Men's existence is dealing with racism. Right? That's literally all the book is. Yeah, the politics was always there. People just didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, I remember even as a kid and going like, I think this is why this is relatable to a lot of people. It's just like, it's basically racism. I mean, you're calling it mutants, but like, it's racism. Like, it's just the same thing. Like, it's because it never made any sense. Like, okay, you know, I, why do you hate Wolverine? You know, because he could destroy the entire planet, but you're cool with the thing and Mr. Fantastic, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're perfectly happy with them, but their powers potentially could be just as destructive. And that's why I was telling people, said, no, if you read between the lines, like, mm, you can see what's going on here. Straight up racism. And then we finally got, uh, I guess, more clarity on a thing that's going to be available, I think, is it starting this week? Actually, it might be starting when the show goes live. Uh, Let me double check the dates on that. But it's coming up, the Mirror Mirror format for Magic Arena. And for those of you who don't know what it is, is basically we had a lot of cards that got banned in the last year and a half-ish. From a whole lot. <laughs> like the, during the time we've been doing this podcast, there's been a whole Yeah, for sure. There's been a lot. And the idea here is they're going to take those cards that were banned. And they're going to, it almost feels like more of an R&D experiment. Of saying, okay, what if we rebalance these in a way that makes sense like we word them differently we cost them whatever we got to do to make them play more fair would these types of cards still be okay in a future format all right what does standard look like if these exist in a more fair form and they honestly really seem like they've done a lot so i mean they've taken 12 cards so we're not going to go over all of them but uh, something like Nexus of Fate, because that was one I think everybody yeah. hated. You know, taking an extra turn, then it shuffles in, you know, that whole thing. Well, okay. Oh, just... <laughs> yeah. Nexus of Fate is just take an extra turn, exile Nexus of Fate. So now it just costs seven to take a turn. That's it. So it's probably one of the worst take an extra turn cards, but that's kind of the only way it's fair, unless you want to make it yeah. do something else. Yeah, Oko definitely got reworded significantly. <laughs> So it got to only plus one to make a food now instead of plus two. Uh, That was a pretty big deal. It lost its extra plus one ability and now has a minus two to turn something into an elk. And then it's crazy that the balance that they had to go from a plus one to a negative two. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the other thing that's weird too is that you could target artifacts with it and turn them into three threes, which also made it very weird because it's like, all right, well, now your food's a three three. You know, like, whatever. So that that got kind of quirky. And then it kept the same minus five, kept the same loyalty. But it's actually pretty cool. That That's a big difference there. Um, Omnath was another one that kind of had its moment that every, got banned pretty quick. Everybody realized that. And then now you get to scry one instead of drawing a card when it comes into play. And then I th- think... They kept most, of, I think the rest of the ability is the same. So Omnath's going to be the most interesting one. Because I'm curious how much drawing that one card is. Or, I mean, don't get me wrong, drawing the card's powerful. But I'd be curious to see how much that changes. Because, man, once it got going on those landfall triggers, it was pretty powerful. And then uh, Once Upon a Time, 
That was another one that you basically got a free search for a land or a creature out of your top five, which was crazy good. But they've reworded that to say, all right, when this is the first spell played for the game, instead of getting it for free, you now have to pay one instead of paying its normal cost of two. So at a minimum, you're spending one to be able to go search, which honestly, that's fair because it's like a lot of other magic cards that do that already. So that's that's not that unreal. And it's also if you play it as your first spell. Otherwise, you just have to pay the two like normal. So that that alone should balance that card. Does it make it where people want to play it? Probably not, because I think we're mostly playing it because it was free. Uh, otherwise, we have other cards like that that aren't even seeing much play now. So that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, Teferi. The, well, Time Raveler, I guess I have to be specific because there's a lot of Teferis. Instead of costing three, they left everything the same, but it costs now four. And they increased his loyalty by one since it costs a little more to cast. So that actually, even that, I think, is going to be a big deal instead of having that hit on turn three. So just lots of good stuff kind of going on with these. I think it's a cool idea just to see. I don't know what this means if this is opening up the door for them to say, okay, we're willing to errata cards in Arena, which I hope they don't do because I think. We're better off when standard paper mimics digital paper. So I don't think we'd want to get too far away from that. I don't know if it means like, hey, they may re-release some of these cards at some point in the future. And they put them under a different name, more balanced maybe. So like, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. But it's a neat experiment. I'm always for seeing new things and trying new things. Because we don't know, you know, until we try it. But... I'd be curious to see what they're hoping for out of these results or where this goes. Now, my question to you is like, how do you feel about this with them going back and rewording cards and stuff? I mean, I always liked Oko as a character, so I wouldn't see him appear on something that was actually playable and didn't wreck the entire format. Okay. And I think it's a cool thing, to, cool thing for them to try. So it ends up not working, it doesn't work, but at least, you know, it's, it was a way to... He said possibly look at reprinting some things or just figuring yeah. out how to take some cards that were that were a little too strong and make them at least fair. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of it, but I'm I'm here for it, for the experiment. I mean, I, I don't think it hurts us to try and at least just just see what the outcome is. I'll be, or I'll maybe, be, you know, if it's a thing they only do, let's say, every few months they let you play with these cards. That'd be a fun kind of format, too, possibly. Yeah, that's true. Or they could just be always available in Arena only. I mean, that's a thing. Or, yeah, that's also too. a thing. Yeah. So I'll definitely be asking my my viewers, my followers, and my Discord and stuff kind of what they think about it as they play through it. Because I'm very curious. Um, So, moving forward to wrap up the show... I think at the dinner table, I kind of wanted to bring up some stuff. And I think this is an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people. So I'm I'm going to be okay talking about it. But there's a lot of, I don't know, secrecy, animosity. There's a lot of bad feelings when we talk about money in regards to our content, whether that's creation or consumption. And, like, we already have people who play, say, like, a free-to-play game like Arena. And when I recommend that, like, yeah, you should at least just buy the Mastery Pass. Because it lasts three months for 20 bucks or $22, whatever the equivalent is. 
And like, that's basically $7 and some change a month for something you're using several hours a week, every week. And some people are playing tournaments with it and all this. Like, eh, I mean, at least you can toss it. They're like, no, if it's free, it's free. I'm not paying for it. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, sure. Whatever, man. But then you start thinking about it in regards to content, right? Where I've seen people say like, I don't know why content creators have to be on here, like promoting their merchandise and stuff. Like, I don't want that. I just want to watch the video and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what do you think this is free? Like you do realize, like I can tell you right now, I'm sitting in front of a microphone that I bought and upgraded from my previous microphone, a microphone stand that it's on. I have another attachable arm on my desk that holds a C920 camera that I use for when I'm doing box openings and stuff. That's sitting next to a big fancy uh, boom arm that I have my actual upgraded camera on, which is a Canon camera that sits across from me. I've got- We bought a whole new computer because we're doing two YouTube channels. I've got two light, three lights, three monitors, like- and this all came out of my pocket. You know what I mean? Right. Like these these weren't gifted to me. These weren't donated to me. These weren't sponsored gifts. Like this is stuff I had to acquire to make my content that I had to invest in. But to see people be like, oh, I don't know why they're on here promoting XYZ. It's like, because you know why? Because that company decided to give them probably anywhere between $500 and $5,000, depending on how big they are, to pay some bills. Like they put in the time to get the recognition to build up the audience. The least you could do is shut the hell up for 20 seconds. You know, like seriously. Yeah. For somebody who doesn't get paid. And now, if you really don't like it, just skip the hell through it. But you probably are mad because you skip through it. You're gonna have to watch a 15 second video because you're also not paying for whatever YouTube red or whatever they call it now. Right? Like, so it's like, yeah. come on, man. It's not free to put this stuff together. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. That's why I am genuinely thankful for every person that follows us on Patreon. Like, not even joking. Like, I genuinely am. Right on. Because, like, to be able to make a few extra dollars and, you know, have the opportunity to make some merchandise and whatever, like, it, I mean, it makes it at least that much more worth it. And I, you know, and I'm still out promoting. I'm I'm editing. I'm doing all this. Like, we're still trying to, like, put quality stuff out there. But, like, you can't. And hell, and I think my YouTube videos are solid, you know, but there's other people that are doing stuff even better than I am. So I know how much time and effort they're putting in. And I'm and just I thinking, can be out here trying to sell you something, you know, that I think is going to hurt you. I'm not out here trying to sell you, you know, malt liquor. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, e-cigs or anything that I feel like is going to hurt somebody. And dude, and I'm still genuine. Like I did a promotion with Into the AM. I did a couple of them, right? They were like, hey, we can hook you up with a couple things. We'll pay you a little money. And I was like, I need it. I, and I am was transparent about this. Even in the video where I promoted, I said, look, how about I get a couple things? I'll check them out. If I think they're good, then cool. We can do the video going forward. Because I don't want to just be like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I get the shirts in and they're like crappy, right? I'm not going to go tell people like, hey, y'all should go buy XYZ. Turns out not only are they good, I bought even more. And I have some of their stuff in my closet. So like, cool. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like somebody was willing to pay me to talk about their stuff. I tested their stuff out. I genuinely liked it. If you want to try it, here's a discount. If you don't, great. I still got paid. Enjoy the rest of the video. But like people that just 
I'm like, hey, okay. And let me say this too. Like, I get it if you just don't have the money, right? That's a whole different thing. I'm not talking about that. Because believe me, I grew up destitute. Like, there were there would have definitely been times I would not be able to support some creators I would like if that were the case back then. So I get it. And I don't want anybody to try to support us if you can't afford it. Like, I would rather you not put yourself in a harmful position to support my efforts completely. But when I see people that do, or people that, like we've talked about before, will go out and buy a brand new $60 video game or whatever, right? And then complain about having to spend $5 to support their favorite creator or whatever. It's like, really? Yet you tell me you watch all their stuff, right? You, you benefit from their existence, whether that's for entertainment, for instructional stuff, for strategy stuff, whatever. But that's not even worth it for you to spend anything with them. But you'll go spend it elsewhere for somebody who's just trying to take your stuff for capitalistic reasons and don't give a damn about you. Hell, just like, man, okay, I'm, I'm not just trying to get people to go to Patreon, but man, we touched on this hard on, on the exclusive show this week about the things you go through to even make yourself presentable on a yeah. regular basis to even do these videos or whatever, even when you don't want to and got to get yourself up or whatever, because you want to put out the best version of you for the people consuming it. And like to have somebody just be insulting because you're trying to make a living with it. Like that's, that's just terrible. We talk all the time about people like, Oh, you sold out. Like if you're a fan of somebody, you know, if I'm a fan of a group, I want more people to hear their music and be able to buy their music. Yeah, and to me, a sellout is like it's a sell. Like we're talking about, if if Into the AM would have contacted me, like I said, and I would have thought their stuff was crap, but I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do it anyway because they're they're paying me well. Like that's selling out. Where then it's just about the money. You don't even care how bad the thing is you're putting onto your people or whatever. Like that's a sellout. But if you genuinely like, nah, this is cool. I'll promote this, whatever, and you're helping me pay my bills this month. Then great. I don't see what you're selling out. I mean, hell, you damn right. Every month, because I have a deal with Ultra Pro and they are supporting my content and paying me, I am going, you're going to see at least three, four, five posts every month on Twitter about Ultra Pro stuff from me. I'm going to mention it on a few YouTube videos. You might see me using some stuff over in an Instagram picture. But you know what? They're helping pay my bills. Their stuff is good. That just comes with the territory. I always tell people, if you don't want them doing these videos or getting stuff, trying to collect a bag, you know what? Start paying them. If you ain't contributing any money to their pocket, then just shut up and enjoy the content. Because them getting those deals or them selling merchandise or whatever else it is to take care of themselves is what's allowing them to make these videos that you're getting to enjoy. So just set up about the one-minute promo that you have to be inconvenienced with. It's not that big a deal. I mean, hell, I'm looking forward to the day y'all get to start getting some because man, with the family channel, there's all kinds of people y'all could get to promote with y'all. Right. And I'm I'm hoping you get it. We're we are also looking forward to that moment. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, oh hell. They got sold the out. <laughs> exactly. Got the whole family selling out for Christmas cards. God damn, or whatever it is, right? Like <laughs> that don't that don't make any sense. Like you've put in a year's worth of content, right? Like building up your channel and doing all this stuff. Like, yeah, if somebody comes along, it's like, man, this family looks nice and fun and sweet and whatever. And like, we have this new, I don't know, 
child's whatever thing coming out, your kids would be great to promote this. Yeah, right. if you see us out here selling people Kool-Aid with alcohol in it, yeah, call us out on that. <laughs> oh, see, if you'd have just stopped at Kool-Aid, I'd be like, I was actually about to say, like, damn, I'd take a Kool-Aid sponsor. <laughs> oh, yeah, just regular Kool-Aid, absolutely we would take that sponsorship. For real. By the way, if, if anybody does Kool-Aid. Yeah, if anybody has a hookup, send them my way. I would love to have a Kool-Aid. I think that would be so much fun to do Kool-Aid promos. Like, oh, right? send them my way for sure. I'd be on it in a heart. This is a whole segment. Who drank the Kool-Aid this week? Well, the call, let me tell you. Yep. Yep. We I literally would we'd have Kool-Aid in the dinner table, I'll tell you that. Like and but here's the thing, like, and I even look, I look for products that I enjoy and things I use, and I've reached out to some. Some of them haven't responded, but like I still reach out to them because I'm like, hey, I would love to have a deal with these people. So stuff will probably show up on my channel in the future, or I'm on my videos or on my streams or whatever. Like, that's part of it. Like, everything we do, we live in a world now where if you want to consume all of these free things, somebody has to pay somewhere along the way. If it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. Like, I, I know people hate hearing that, but, like, YouTube only exists because they have literally tens of thousands of companies that come and give them money every month. And then that money is dispersed between YouTube and the creators. If that wasn't a thing, the amount of content you'd get would be reduced by probably 90% on YouTube. Right. Because a lot of those people, like, it starts out as small projects, side projects, whatever for them, and they build it up. But until you get to probably where your videos are averaging, like, three to 5,000 views per video, you're not making any real money. I mean, you know, even myself, I'm only doing a few hundred a month right now. So, like, to even get to a thousand, I'd have to be doing probably in that ballpark, like three yeah. to four thousand, five thousand per video to make it worth it. So, like, until I'm there, it's not like, you know, but we still have the podcast is making a little money. And I have uh, streams on Facebook and, and Twitch that make some money. And, you know, like, I have other things that are generating revenue and, and sponsor deals or whatever. But, you have to have that because those are supplementing the rest of the work. Like if I don't have all those other deals, I'm probably not spending too much time making videos every day. Like that, that's just what it is. And it's terrible to see people taking shots at folks. Cause like literally, how do you think this is getting done? They don't there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love my audiences and stuff, but like, I don't individually love you and I'm not just making <laughs> this just for you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing it because it's fun. I can educate people. I can share neat things with folks and I can make a living doing it. I mean, I still, like I said, I'm being for real. I got a house. I got a car. I got pets. You know, like, I mean, right. I have real things I'm paying for. So if I don't bring in the money, then I got to do something else that allows me to pay my bills, whatever that thing may be. And the same thing for I, all these I don't know why this is hard for people to understand. Like, they got rent, they got bills, and lights they got to pay. So do we. Yeah, and I, and even further explaining it to people is like, imagine having what you have and what you have to pay, plus you have to buy and maintain or whatever, a whole separate set of equipment just for that other project. Because that's basically what content creation is. Yep. I mean, hell, and even y'all, y'all got other stuff now because like, y'all are venturing off to go to different places to shoot things in town and you know so you've got gas and everything else you probably have to account for yeah. now right like 
I'm soon crossing my fingers gonna have like plane tickets and whatever else and you know to because I have some stuff I can't talk about it yet but I have some things that we're working on or planned for like September and October but like those are gonna have expenses and I don't even know if those videos are gonna hit or not like I'm just taking a chance to try something new and different that other people haven't done but like I can't even risk that to try it if I don't have these different streams of income so like you just get more of the same thing and maybe I do it and they bomb and that sucks, but maybe I do it and they hit, and then now, cool, I have a whole new stream of videos I can do. So like, it, it's it's tough, man. I like I just see several people that have mentioned that and brought that up on people's stuff, and I'm just like, man, what's wrong with you? Like, we're all out here just trying to make it, trying to have fun, doing, make a living doing what we enjoy doing. Like, y'all just gotta chill, man. And if you can, seriously, and I'm not saying, even if it's not us, and I mean this generally, if there are people you watch regularly on Twitch, on Facebook, on YouTube, you know, there's people's articles you read regularly. There's people you follow all the time on social media, whatever. Toss them a couple of dollars at the end of the month. Have you checked your, your bank balance or your spending cash and you didn't use your allotment of your free spending money or whatever? Toss two, three, five bucks their way. Like just with a with a note that says, "Hey, I, it's not much, but I appreciate what you're doing, and you enter add value to my life." Like even that little bit would go a long way. All right, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? All right, I am Deal Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. However, on TikTok, I have to be the Power Dragon uh, <laughs> because randomly for the first time ever in the history of my entire life of using that username for damn near 25 years or whatever, like somebody's actually using it and they're not even doing anything with it. So I'm very sad. Wow, about that's that. the worst. Yep. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. And for a while longer, while we're trying to get these vaccines done and everything else, please remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from other humans that are icky with the COVID. And if you don't believe in any of that crap, at least just be cool to everybody else. <laughs> if you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 